This podcast is brought to you by Pastor Stormy Swan and Faith Church from Lubbock, Texas. For more information, please visit our website at faithchurchlubbock.com. Praise the Lord. You know, I, I think many times in our lives we look at stuff and we say, well, I'm, I'm just. I'm just a mom. I'm just a housewife. I'm just... No, there's a lot more to it. And God blesses you and calls every one of us. So here we are, week three of the called. Uh, if you need a Bible, get your hand up real high. Our ushers will put the Word of God in your hand. I, I welcome you if you're a guest. We're honored to have you with us. If you're watching my live stream, get your Bible out. I, I believe God's going to touch your heart today. Once you get a Bible, go with me to Philippians chapter 2. And as you're turning there, just, just this morning there has been three different people that have talked about miracles that have taken place here. Two had to pertain with cancer, and another one was a situation. And the reason I tell you this with miracles, I'm telling you, God's moving right now. He's, he's a God of miracles, and we'll just trust him and believe him. So if you were prayed for, Jan, just believe God for that. All right. We take off here this morning. Again, I told you to go to Philippians 2. So what happens within every one of us that when we get born again, Within each one of us is there's ordinary and extraordinary. And with every one of us, God puts this extraordinary, this, this ability within us, but it's just desiring to be awakened and come alive within every one of us. And the reason I say there's extraordinary within every one of you is because the Lord said, and this was last week in Ephesians 2.10, God created you as a masterpiece. You, you are customized by God. And God wonderfully, fearfully, and skillfully created you. And his thoughts toward you are that of good and not evil. So we begin here this morning, Philippians chapter 2, verse 12. The apostle Paul talking, and he said, Therefore, my beloved or my beloved ones, as you have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more even in my absence. Now, it's interesting that he gets over an obedience because obedience is something that's very important for me and you. That I, I learn to obey the scriptures that God tells me. I, I learn to obey the voice of God. And, and so it's important here that you understand uh, obedience is a big key in my life. How well I obey. Not just to know the word of God, but to obey the word of God. Then he goes on to say, but now much more my absent. Work out your own salvation. Work out your own salvation. Now, I, I can't get saved by good works. That's Ephesians 2.8. I'm saved by grace through faith. But he says, work out your own salvation. And so I'm to work out salvation after I've been born again. See, it's one thing to get born again. But it's another matter to work out your salvation. So you may hear me say this a couple times this morning. You may know what your calling is. You're just not very good at it yet. That's okay. You're a work in progress and God begins to mold you and shape you. So when he says work out your salvation, it literally means to show your salvation, to show what God's done in your life, to, to develop that. So I'm looking at this word here, work out your salvation. What do, you do, what do you do when you go to a gym? You work out. Well, to get into that gym, you got to have a membership. Would you know you have a heavenly membership? You're, you're a, a masterpiece. Your name is registered in heaven. 
And so if I have a membership in heaven, it does me no good if I don't get involved with heaven. It does me no good if I just hit and miss. And so when he talks about working out your salvation, that's his grace. God, God will grace you in these areas if you welcome him and you yield to him. I'm going to work out my salvation. How do we work out our salvation? He said, with fear and trembling. Man, with a, a deep respect to God. Just, just to love God. I, I'm not afraid of God, but I, I stand in awe of God. And he goes on to say now in verse 13. Now watch this. For it is God. It is God. It's not you. For it is God who works in you both to will to do for his good pleasure. God is continually revitalizing you. He's the potter, we're the clay. And so what he does here, he implants within you his passions, his desires, the things that he desires for you to accomplish. And so when we think about this, I'm going to give you a little analogy here that I believe will help you. That when we talk about an, an appliance, like a refrigerator or a stove, an appliance, it, it doesn't choose what it will do. It's made that way. So a refrigerator will refrigerate. A stove will heat. And the manufacturer makes that decision. Wow. The manufacturer makes that decision. Now for a refrigerator to say, you know what, I don't want to refrigerate anymore. I want to heat. That would be trying to function outside of its design. God created you. God created me. And God has purpose for every one of us in this room. And it's called a calling. And he'll grace us in this area. And so the enemy wants to keep you ordinary where God says, I want you to become extraordinary. Now, go with me to, to 1 Samuel 16. 1 Samuel 16. And your identity comes from God, not what other people think. Other people's opinion about you really doesn't matter. It's God's opinion about you. So we go back to 1 Samuel 13, or 16. And, and as you're turning there, we were here last week. And this is the passage about God told the prophet Samuel. He said, Sammy, you got to go to Bethlehem. And I've got one of this guy named Jesse, the Bethlehemite sons, to be the next king. And the Lord says about this king, he's a man after my own heart. Now I want you to keep, keep the thought that the Lord told us last week. He said, man looks on the outward appearance, but God looks at the heart. Now I want you to hang on to that because that's going to come into play today. So we know after last week, and if you weren't here, go look on the podcast if uh, you want to know how to do that, don't, don't ask me. Ask someone in the church. They'll tell you, how to, I don't have a clue how to do any of that. Seriously. <laughs> so God selects the youngest of Samuel's, or of Jesse's son. And I want you to watch this here again, because we're going to read this verse. 1 Samuel 16, verse 13. Then Samuel took the horn of oil, and he anointed him. Remember the anointing 
The anointing is for the purpose of God, to help you fulfill his calling in your life. The anointing, once again, an easy way to understand this, the anointing is God's special sauce on your life. That he anoints you. But not only did he anoint him, he goes on to say this, and the Spirit of the Lord came upon him. Those are two big aspects for me and you. God still anoints, and God still desires people to be filled with the Holy Spirit. That's Acts 1, verse 4. The Lord Jesus commanded that you be filled of the Spirit of God. Something happens when we get filled with the Holy Spirit. You know what that something is? God comes on the inside of you. And when God gets on the inside of you, stuff begins to happen. So we understand this about King David right now. Remember, he's not the king, he's the anointed king. He's got an idea what his calling is. He's just not very good at it yet. But he's a work in progress. So we go one chapter to, to, over to chapter 17, 1 Samuel 17. And as you're uh, turning there, let, let, me, let me set the table for what's going on here. The Israelites are in this battle with their arch enemies, the Philistines. That's who they fought over and over and over and over. And so the Philistines... They have this champion warrior whose name is Goliath. Now, he's not just a giant. He's a giant with a stinking attitude. And so for 40 days and nights, every morning and every night, he would come out and he would talk as much junk and trash that he could to the Israelites. And his goal was to intimidate them and to paralyze them and to keep them gripped in fear. That's exactly what the devil tries to do to each one of us. And so let me, let me tell you here the, the, the story as it goes that Jesse sends his son, the anointed king, King David, up to the front. So we begin in verse 20. 1 Samuel 17, verse 20. So David rose early in the morning. He left the sheep with the keeper and he took those things and he went as Jesse had commanded him, and he came to the camp as the army was going out to fight and the shouting for this battle. Now remember it says here, his dad, Jesse, commanded him. He said, you got to take your brothers some supplies. Verse 21, for Israel and the Philistines had drawn up in battle array, army against army, and David left his supplies in the hand of the supply keeper, ran to the army and came and greeted his brothers. Then as he talked with them, there was the champion, the Philistines of Gath, Goliath by name, coming up from the armies of Philistine, and he spoke according to the same words. So David heard them. And all the men of Israel, when they saw the man, they fled from him and were dreadfully afraid. So just his appearance. They see him walk out. He hadn't said a word yet. But all they do is they see him and man, I'm telling you, they put on the garment of intimidation right there. Verse number 25. So the men of Israel said, have you seen this man who has come up? Surely he has come up to defy Israel. And it shall be that the man who kills him, the king will enrich him with great riches, will give him his daughter, and will give his father's house exemptions from taxes in Israel. Then David spoke to the men who stood by him, saying, What shall be done for the man who kills this Philistine and takes away the reproach from Israel? Now listen to what he says here. For who is this uncircumcised Philistine 
that he should defy the armies of the living God. When he says this uncircumcised Philistine, you know what he literally means? He means he's not a part of God's covenant. And if you're not a part of God's covenant, you're sure not under God's covering. And so as I begin to read this, when, when the army saw him, they were gripped with fear. Now let me ask you a question right now. What's the giants of your life right now that intimidate you? That move you to a place of fear? That move you to cover up? Now that could look different from every one of us, but I believe every one of us at times in our life, we encounter giants in our life and those giants try to make the the situation or the circumstance look bigger than God. So what's the giant of your life right now? Verse 27. And the people answered him in this manner saying, so shall it be done for the man who kills him. What's the circumstance or the situation in your life right now that needs to be killed? And what I found out in this life that if I don't face my giants, I run. I'm either going to stand up to him in the name of Jesus or I'm going to continually run the rest of my life. Verse 28. Now Eliab, his oldest brother, heard when he spoke to the men and Eliab's anger was aroused against David. David's inquiry of this giant provoked the anger of his older brother. Made him mad. Made him real mad. And it made him so mad. We keep reading. And Eliab's anger was aroused against David. And he said, why did you come down here? What, what business of this is yours? Why didn't you just mind your own business? And then he says, and with whom have you left those few sheep in the wilderness? You know what his brother does to him right here? He reminds him as how insignificant he is. Even in his capacity of a shepherd. He's saying, you you can't even watch those few sheep that you've been put in charge of. So what happens right here is his older brother tries to berate him. Tries to devalue him. Tries to put discouragement on him. Now, what's interesting, when I read this, not one of the other soldiers said anything about that. They were all thrilled that he was there. The only one of them that attacked him was his older brother. But he didn't quit. He goes on to say, I know your pride and the insolence of your heart, for you have come down to see the battles. He tells his baby brother, he said, all you are is cocky and arrogant. You're a show-off, but you're neglecting what you're supposed to be doing. So something jumps out right here at me. The enemy tried to use his older brother to discourage him from his calling. And just maybe, perhaps, You may have had a sibling that tried to do that to you. 
that tried to tell you how insignificant you are. Maybe even said, you know, you're just the black sheep of the family. God would never do anything with you because you're a nobody. And so what you'll begin to see here today is we've just rewind a little bit. Remember last week, the enemy tried to use his own father to distract him. But this week, we see the first point is, do you have a sibling that tried to do that? Now let me say this to you. Eliab's words couldn't override what God said about David unless David let it happen. In other words, God said this, and do I become who God says I am, or do I allow the words of, of my brother to discourage me? I'm just telling you right now, you're who God says you are. I, I don't care what other people think about you. God says you're my masterpiece. God said all things work together for good to those who love me and are called according to my purpose. This is why we got to understand. And so again, the devil will use anything he can to kill, steal, and destroy. And so what happens? All the other soldiers, man, they're like, we've been doing this 40 days and 40 nights. We can't get anybody to volunteer. And now we got him. And so they go and they run and they tell Saul, we got your boy. We got him. Verse 32, then David said to Saul, let no man's heart fail because of him. Did you read in that? All the other soldiers, they're running for cover and King David stands up and he says, hey, let nobody's heart fail because of him. This is totally different. Nobody had been saying this. Don't, don't let anybody be pressured by him. Don't let him have the last word. And he goes on to say, because of him, your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Now you got to read into this right here because remember at this point in David's life, he's the anointed king. He's not the king. But he says to King Saul, he said, King Saul, your servant will go fighting. If you think about that, he didn't look at him and say, hey, pal, I'm the next king. Why don't you take a back seat to this? Do, do you know who I am? And when I see him say, your servant, do you see the robe of humility? He honored the position of authority that God had put Saul in. And there's something huge. It begins to reveal the character of his life. But when he says, don't, don't worry about this giant, you know why I think he knew that? Because 1 John 4, 4, he says, greater is he who's in me than he who's in the world. If God be for me, everybody else might as well be. Zechariah 4, 6 says, it's not by might nor by power, but it's by the spirit of the living God. And I believe this is what's happening to King David. The Holy Spirit in him is just rising up. Verse 33. And Saul said to David, "Let no." Or Saul said to David, you are, "You are not able. You are not able." Now listen real close to what that word "not able" has the meaning. The word "able." 
The capacity to prevail or succeed. So David's telling King Saul everything he's doing, and King Saul turns and looks at him and says, You won't prevail. You won't succeed. And he goes on in this and says, against this Philistine to fight with him, for you're just a punk kid, a snotty-nosed kid, and a man of war from him, a man of war from his youth. So when I begin to read this, this is point two. Has there been someone in your life that you viewed as significant? A leader, a mentor, someone you had the thought, man, I'd love to grow up and be like them, but they tried to dagger me with their words just like with him. And because of looking up to that person and they said it, it stopped you in your tracks. So, I'm studying on this for weeks and I kind of connect dots like where I'm going to go. And, and I knew this week I was going on these lines to a certain degree. And so last Sunday, I, I was talking with Warren Havens right here and he brings this story up and man, it, it just jumped in my heart like, oh my gosh, that's S-O-G-O-O-D, good. I mean, that's... Let me tell you, this is a true story. So there's a minister who, back in the early 80s, and I know some of you, you can't even think back to there. You weren't even thought of in the early 80s, but anyhow. He was a televangelist, and I'm not going to mention who it was. But he would be on TV over and over and over and over. And so he had these two young men that started going to his church. And they got born again. I mean, they got touched by God. They were so lit up with God. Well, these two brothers were incredible musicians and singers. And so not only they get born again in his church, they start this Christian group, this Christian band. Now, it wasn't just a Christian band in the early 80s. It was a Christian rock band called Striper. Anybody ever heard of Striper? Some of you young ones are striped. Who? Their, their, their best song was called To Hell with the Devil. Who? And I'm telling you, it was so cutting edge because of their guitars and just how loud it was. But the other side of that was this they spoke the word of God in their songs. Their songs lifted up Jesus, and not only that, he told me that in their concerts, they would pass out Bibles. And so they soared, and their album became a huge hit. And so one day, the televangelist who they'd gotten born again in his church, he holds up on national TV their album, and he points to the album and says, these guys are of the devil. Don't listen to anything they say. And it daggered them. It broke their heart. It, it tore them up on the inside. Now remember, I go back and I said to remember this. Man looks at the outward appearance, 
God looks at the heart. No one knew what was going on in their heart. But it's easy to judge somebody outwardly. You know, I, I had a guy a number of years ago that some of our young ones that are on our praise and worship team, one of them had a hat on in the drum cage. And this guy caught me one service and he says, that, that, that is so disrespectful. And I said, wait, wait just a minute, okay? I said, you don't know their heart. They love Jesus just as ever much as you do. And he said, well, I don't care. That's, that's just so bad. And he said, if you're not going to deal with that, then he said, I'm going to leave the church. And I said, well, don't let the door hit you where the good Lord split you. Again, they don't know their heart. And I look all across this house today, and man, I'm telling you, we got white sheep, black sheep, swirl sheep, just all, you know. And I know we look a little bit differently on the outside, but on the inside, we love Jesus. And then I can look, and some of you are really painted up. You got tats in places we can't even imagine. You got piercings among piercings. but it doesn't tell who your heart is. It has nothing to do with your heart. I, I can never imagine this, that Jesus is sitting on the front row and a person walks in that's all tatted up. A person walks in with these little skimpy shorts on and Jesus says, hey pal, out, out. You don't miss the dress code. You know, some people, they wear to church all they have. And you know what? It doesn't bother Jesus a bit. But just perhaps you had somebody dagger you. Just like those guys from Striper. And it's caused you to get off track. See, God's called you. You're still his masterpiece. He's still the potter. You're still the clay. But it doesn't end here for King David. Same chapter. Verse 42. And when the Philistine looked about and saw David, he disdained him, which literally means he sneered at him in contempt. He mocked him. For he was only a youth, ruddy, good looking. Wow. So the Philistine said to David, Am I a dog that you come to me with sticks? And the Philistine cursed David by his God. Not only is he talking all this junk to David, he curses David by his gods, these false gods. And so you begin to see something here that he's trying to, to play games with King David. He's trying to get in David's head just with his words because he knew the army of Israel, all he had to do was speak a bunch of junk and it would cause them to get in fear and intimidation. Verse 44, and the Philistine said to David, you come to me and I will give your flesh to the birds of the air and to the beasts of the field. Goliath begins to attack David's identity before he ever even thought, uh, fought him. He was literally saying, your resume 
is unimpressive. No good. But there's certain things that Goliath didn't know. Goliath didn't know that King David was a man after God's own heart. And that was God's opinion. And Goliath didn't know that King David was the next anointed king of Israel. And that was God's opinion. And when he tries to move in your life, he may not know that you're a masterpiece. And that's God's opinion. And so what ultimately happens in our life, we begin to believe the lies of the bully, the enemy, or we believe what God says about me. That I am who God says I am. Verse 45. Then David said to the Philistine, you come to me with a sword, with a spear, and with a javelin. But I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel, whom you defied. You know what that means? You messed with the wrong God. And not only did you mess with the wrong God, you messed with the Son of God, a child of God, my Heavenly Father. And when you mess with the bull, you get the horn. King David goes on to say this day this day you know what this day is today this day Sunday March 5th 2020 this day the Lord will deliver you into my hand and I will strike you and I'll take your head from you and this day I will give the carcasses of the camp of the Philistines to the birds of the air, the wild beasts of the earth, that all the earth may know that there's a God in Israel. Now when he's saying all this, remember, the giants used to everybody running and hiding. But today, this guy's talking back. And sometimes you got to talk back to the devil. And I wonder when King David was doing that, if Goliath started batting his eyes like, who does he think he is? But I look at this and I think, does the devil have you on the run today? Is there a pattern or a cycle in your life that when life starts squeezing you, you run. You run. See, I don't have to run. Again, greater is he who's in me than he that's in the world. I'm strong in the Lord and the power of his might. The days of running have got to stop. And I don't say this out of your, your might and your power and strength. I say this about what he said. He said, this is what God's going to do today. Now, he's going to use me, but this is what God's going to do to me today. He's going to work through me. And so what the devil tries to do, he tries to use this thing called identity theft. He tries to confiscate your identity in Jesus, and he tries to distort the way you think and the way you see yourself. And if I'm not careful, here's what happens. Instead of being influenced by what God says, I become influenced by the opinions of people. 
whether it's a mom or dad, whether it's a sibling, whether it's a mentor, whether it's even the devil that tries to play games in your head. And so what ultimately happens is we walk through this life and we must, through the power of God, overcome the labels that try to bind us to our past. And the labels that try to bind us to our past could be a label that I'm a liar. I'm a thief. I'm a drunk. I'm a nobody. Until I give my heart to Jesus. And when I give my heart to Jesus, I become a masterpiece because that's what he says about me. I overcome in Revelations 12.10. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb. When you get born again, within you is this, this anointing that says you're an overcomer. I overcome by the blood of the Lamb and the word of my testimony. And so God begins to do something within me. And so I don't know the labels of your past, but that's not who God says you are. God says, that's my boy, that's my girl. So just maybe today, you've been daggered by something we talked about. You know, our God's not only in the business of saving you. Our God is in the business of pulling that dagger out. And God will heal you. And God will begin to move. You know, in 1 Corinthians 16, 9, the apostle Paul said this. He said, these great doors of opportunities have opened, but there are many adversaries. I have great opportunities to to, to follow the things of God, the callings in my life. But understand, on this road of opportunities, there's going to be adversaries. They're going to come after you, and they come after you to get you off the call, to get you off your purpose. Has that ever happened to you? Oh, yeah, it's happened to me. I'd waited years and years of my life to pastor, and we were given the opportunity to pastor a small church, and We'd been down there for just a couple months. And man, it was growing, it was growing, it was growing. But there was a board there that didn't think we were growing in the right direction. So they gave me the right foot of fellowship. They fired me. They said, you're out, pal. And I remember for days and days and days and days, it daggered me. The words that were spoken, it daggered me. It broke my heart. And there was a season in my life I thought, I don't know this will ever happen again. But God's callings don't change. They're irrevocable. And when God calls you a masterpiece, I'm a masterpiece. I've got to believe God's opinion about me. He still takes messes and makes miracles. Won't you stand up here with me today? See, the only way that you can work out your own salvation 
you've got to be born again. You've, you've got to be a part of salvation. You've got to receive Jesus as Lord of your life. None of this takes place until I give my heart to Jesus and I get born again. The Lord Jesus said in John 14, he said, I, I'm the way, the truth, the life, the only way. And this may break your heart, but there's only one way to the Father, and that's through the Son. I, I don't care what mankind says. There's a lot of different ways to God. No, there's only one. And so if you're here today, and you don't know Jesus as Lord, you've never surrendered your heart to him, or you need to rededicate, you need to say, Man, I, I need a fresh anointing of salvation in my life. You know what? I, I want you to make your way forward right here. That God wants to touch your heart this morning and give, and give you part of the kingdom masterpiece that he desires for you to walk in. That's you. Come on down. We welcome you. Just get out of your seat. Come boldly. Come on. Come on. Hey, hey. Oh, happy day. Praise the Lord. Just stand right there, guys. Woo! This, this never gets old to me, I'm telling you right now. <laughs> Man, if this ever gets old to you, you need to get born again, okay? Anybody else? Anybody want to walk this, this aisle and come down here and say, I need Jesus. I need a touch of God in my life. Come on, I'm going to wait. I see you. <laughs> Thank you for obeying. That's, that's God dealing with your heart, okay? Come on, they're still coming. They're still coming. Thank you. Thank you. It's the goodness of God. that's on the inside of me. Grace me to be a man or woman of God. Thank you for saving me today. In Jesus' name. Amen. Come on, let's clap to the Lord.
day, huh? Great day. Great day, but I don't think God's done. <laughs> I know He's not done. If you're here today, you've got a dagger in your heart for maybe a family member, a sibling. You got a dagger in your heart from some somebody you looked up to that man it just broke your heart if, if the enemies put a dagger in your heart and tried to paralyze you or you don't move any forward i'm gonna have our team sing and i, I welcome you to come down here and it, it will be like this father god this this is my heart this is my heart and i i, I think it's important that you say and this, this person did this to me, and I, I ask you to take out that dagger, and I ask you to grace me to release them and forgive them, and I ask you, Father God, that I, I'm propelled forward into my calling today. And so as they sing, I, I welcome you to come down. Don't leave with that dagger in you. And, and as men and women come down of all the ages, I welcome our prayer teams down here. And part of that is, the Apostle Paul said to Timothy, he said, stir up those gifts within them. Stir up those callings within them. Go ahead, guys, let's sing. Thank you once again for joining us on this podcast. To check out more services from Faith Church, you can find our live broadcast on YouTube or check out our website at faithchurchlubbock.com for more information on upcoming events, how to give, and how you can get involved.